Before we get started, Web3 Galaxy Brain is doing a Gitcoin. If you get value from this show, please support Web3 Galaxy Brain today at web3galaxybrain.com Gitcoin. Each unique contribution helps direct quadratic matching funds to the project, so please contribute to Web3 Galaxy Brain's Gitcoin today. Gitcoin 19 is open between November 15th and November 29th, 2023. Visit web3galaxybrain.com Gitcoin to show your support. Thank you. Welcome to Web3 Galaxy Brain. My name is Nicholas. Each week, I sit down with some of the brightest people building Web3 to talk about what they're working on right now. My guest today is Nitya Subramanian, founder of Capsule. Capsule is an embedded wallet SDK that leverages passkeys, MPC, and AA smart accounts to simplify the user experience around wallet creation and transaction signing. Apps that integrate Capsule's embedded wallet SDK authenticate users by their email address. Capsule creates a passkey for each user, which is configured as a signer on a two-of-two multi-party computation. This MPC, in turn, is the signer on a 4337 smart account. Users that have created a Capsule account in another app will be able to access it in any future app as long as they log in with the same email address. In other words, Capsule is a cross-domain embedded smart account provider. In this conversation, Nitya explains the MPC setup underlying Capsule and provides hints at the team's forthcoming release, which aims to allow secure cross-app smart account access, programmable MPC permissions, and automations for common actions like dollar cost averaging. It was great talking to Nitya about Capsule, which is making strides in the challenging domain of cross-app embedded wallets for a mainstream audience. I hope you enjoy the show. As always, this show is provided as entertainment and does not constitute legal, financial, or tax advice or any form of endorsement or suggestion. Crypto has risks and you alone are responsible for doing your research and making your own decisions. Hey, Nitya, how's it going? Good, good. How are you? Good. I'm excited to talk about Capsule today. So actually, I'm curious. I, I don't know. I know a little bit about your background, but how long have you been interested in crypto in the first place? I, I guess with crypto, um, I had almost two phases of um, of getting excited. So um, first, I um, in college, I got really interested in in Bitcoin. This is around 2014, um, and I was a college student and um, thought that right this idea of um, cryptographic proofs that like secure value was um, I thought that was really cool. I also thought the distributed systems aspect of it was really cool, um, but it was mostly like a, a technical interest um, and more of an academic one. Um, but then, like a little bit later on, um, I was working in fintech um, for for several years after that, and uh, started to like just understand a lot more about how like lending and credit systems worked and how those worked in like the U.S., um, especially in like the mortgage context, which is what I was doing. And um, that was when I got really excited about um, kind of the the EVM, about like smart contracts, and just kind of the the vision for crypto being this. Right. This this like world where you can have a lot more different options for how you kind of manage your your value, manage your life. And like just I, I got really excited about the idea that crypto gives people more options um, to really just like live their life on, on their terms. Yeah, because I guess between when you first started paying attention to something like Bitcoin in 2014 and then when you looked at it later, like this whole ecosystem of programmability had emerged. Exactly. Exactly. And so it was initially this. um it was initially right, like um, kind of digital gold, um, like store of value, which was was definitely cool. Um, but I would say that I didn't 
even I think there's something about crypto where once you understand more about how certain elements of like the the quote like real world work with and in my case that came through finance um you start to understand like why it's so important um to be able to have like a neutral rail or have like a way that you can can do things without intermediaries and i think for me like my own journey of like understanding that was um like very critical in my crypto journey yeah it was is it, it sounds like it's something about access that's important to you is there something in particular you saw where where people were locked out of something for some arbitrary reason that that these kinds of things would solve Actually, yes, there was a very specific thing that happened. Um, so I was working in, um, I was working in lending and I, uh, I was a recent college grad and I actually went to apply for a credit card and realized that I just assumed that if you like were a responsible person, you uh, like your credit score and all that, like just worked in a very, you know, quantitative, um, like straightforward way, and then learned a lot more about how credit systems worked. And I was like, oh, um, no, turns out like all of the different um, kind of parties in the system have a lot of power over who does and doesn't get um, any kind of credit and on what terms and things like that. And that was like really a wake up call for me was like, just realizing that these aren't like kind of mathematical equations or like direct transparent systems and that having options where that is the case um, could do a lot for a lot of people. Yeah, I think I've mentioned it on the show before, but I was really surprised when years ago, like, oh gosh, almost 10 years ago, maybe I was talking to some people from MasterCard and they told me that they don't perceive a visa as their competition, but instead the unbanked are their kind of target market or like the people you know, the, the greatest opportunity for them is not their competitors clients, but instead all the people who are kind of locked out of the system for one reason or another. So I, I imagine, I mean, it's even more, more the case for lending, I, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's something about like when, and especially those of us that, right, are, we, we learn about, we learn math and we learn like computer science and it's like, okay, these are the inputs, these are the outputs. And um, then we realize that there's kind of a whole set of people who, for one reason or another, um, don't have access to the systems that, um, that have been built like over time and have been built with certain assumptions. Uh, I think that's like where crypto just like gives us this really like golden opportunity to, to be thoughtful about, about building those systems in ways that are default open. Um, and, and yeah, just, just agree with everything you said. So what did you uh, do when you first decided to move into the space? Where did you go? Yeah, so I um, I went to work on uh, the Cello protocol. So um, I was one of their early engineers, and then later on um, was focused on the product side. Uh, and a lot of what I was working on there was actually like peer to peer um, stable coin payments, which I think are are definitely having a um, a moment now as well. And um, we were really focused on um, kind of building alternatives for um, for like either underbanked or unbanked um, communities and. Uh, it was it was something where uh, like crypto has just always had so much promise in in this area. And I think what I learned there, um, which has ultimately led to um, to capsule uh, in a lot of ways, was that in order to build kind of those flagship consumer applications that uniquely leverage crypto and that um, kind of bring that value of crypto rails to end users, uh, there are a lot of infrastructure problems that need to get solved along the way. And in particular, the problem of being able to sign transactions easily and safely um, were, were really motivating to me. And it, it felt like there needed to be a, a focus on that specific problem within the space. Right, because Cello is quite interested in this kind of global population, not particularly like a crypto degen population, but instead 
access for everybody. So I guess it's a some continuity there. Yeah, I would say that um, I think everyone, I, a lot of people I know have come to the space for different reasons. And um, for me, that that ability to, to, if you have an open rail that people can't actually access, um, then in some ways it's it's just the same system again. And so being able to actually take advantage of the open property of of rails and actually make them more accessible um, for people who who maybe don't have access to the the, the versions we have right now in in Web two and like traditional systems um, that that's been really important. So like, what are these big obstacles in the way? Is it mostly UX or what other kinds of things come to mind for you with this barrier to entry for people? Yeah, um, of, of course, at Capsule, we're, we're really focused on um, making transaction signing easier and safer, making um, self-custody uh, a, a lot more accessible and kind of appropriate for, um, for, for folks, depending on, on their context and what they want to do in crypto. Um, I would say like the other problems that um, we we were inspired by then that I, I'm still really excited about are, are things around kind of fiat connectivity. So like just making it easier to um, to kind of go between um, Web 2 and Web 3 systems. That's something that uh, we think about a lot at Capsule as well with like how do you make things like uh let's say dollar cost averaging a lot easier to do in a native non-custodial on-chain way. Uh, so yeah, we kind of uh, think about a lot of these, like how do we make Web3 and like make crypto real something that can be more embedded into our, our day-to-day lives and like how we just interact with all the systems we already work with um, in addition to more like kind of Web3 specific um, type of experiences. But thinking a lot more about how do we almost turn Web3 into this like value fabric of just how we use the digital world more broadly. Yeah, you, you mentioned this this word embedded, and I guess there's something about wallet UX that is maybe not totally figured out. Um, and, and Capsule's working on that, right? But but what's the, well, I guess, what are the problems with the embedded wallets that we have today or or maybe even compared to things like, uh, you know, software wallets, hot wallets? What's the gap that, what's the problem that you're trying to solve overall? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Um, so with Capsule, what we're really building are um, secure cross-app embedded wallets. And like I'll unpack each part of that. But um, the way we see it, there's really two different categories of, of wallets today. There's um, the wallets that, you know, we know and love and have had for um, for a long time, like uh, like right, like MetaMask, um, Rainbow, like standalone wallets uh, that are, are great and that you can use them everywhere. Um, but they, they require someone to go through an onboarding process. Um, and that was a lot of the, um, the kind of singular kind of friction point that led to, um, the rise of the, the embedded walls that I think we've, um, we've seen a lot more of recently. And I think those, um, the, the embedded wallet space has done a good job in easing that initial friction, but we're going back to something like a one app, one wallet per app type of paradigm that is um, that that can be a challenge in terms of taking advantage of the interoperability that you get with crypto. Um, so what we're doing with Capsule is basically building um, wallets that are easy to be provisioned and easy to kind of get started with in the context of the applications that you're using. Um, but you can then take those wallets with you to other places. Um, so we think about uh, the wallet as something that should be able to follow a user or like be with them throughout their journey in crypto from the very beginning to, to minting an NFT 
from someone they've been um, kind of following the work of to then maybe using that NFT to unlock a token-gated experience elsewhere. Um, and wallets as being um, this kind of container for, for state. And what's really important about that is like the state in crypto is uniquely portable. And so the container for that state needs to be as well. That makes sense. So, so basically, we go from soft wallets where you, to, just to onboard, you're asked to save a seed phrase somewhere, which is pretty weird for a kind of a, a regular person to have to think about. It's an unusual requirement to then these embedded wallets where maybe we step away from that uh, and get the advantages of like SSO OAuth login type experiences or uh, essentially just skipping the seed phrase. And, and, and yet they're typically app specific. So Capsule is going to take the next step into cross-app embedded wallets. Yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it. Where um, we almost think that, like um, when when we were all first um, using, uh, maybe I'll like age myself here a little bit, but we were first using like different apps um, in in Web two. We had a different username and password for every app, um, and that's nice in some ways um, because uh, you know we can. Uh, kind of create a new login and um, and do that with every app. And there's nothing that you kind of need to, to think about in a, in a multi-app context. But then we later on had uh, like SSO or like single sign-on or like ways to kind of leverage um, a shared idea of a, of a login or a shared idea of, um, of state, um, even if it's just your email and your login and take that to different places. And in crypto, we're almost uniquely positioned to be able to do that because all that data is on chain anyways. So um, yeah, we're kind of thinking about it in this way of just allowing people to kind of bring the state that they're creating or bring the history that they're creating with them across the different products they use. So what kind of user experience would I have if I was using a, an app with, I guess like devs are kind of the the users of Capsule directly and then they embed it into their apps uh, and then I as a user of the apps would encounter Capsule. Is that is that a fair summary? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. So um, the, the people who are integrating with Capsule are typically developers who are um, working with either, either dApps um, or other like existing crypto wallets. Uh, and then the the folks who kind of see the powered by capsule um, end up being the users of those products. And um, the, as you mentioned, the end user experience, um, I'll first maybe drop a, a shameless plug. We have a, a hosted demo app um, that people can feel free to check out. I'll drop the link in here a little bit later. Um, but uh, the the core experience is that we use a combination of email op and then um, pass keys to then create an MPC based wallet uh, that people can first use in the context of that application they're signing up for, uh, but then later on, um, let's go back to that NFT example. Let's say they want to access that NFT from somewhere else. Uh, they can do that. Got it. So I, I landed an app that's got a capsule-powered embedded wallet. It's going to ask me oh, exclusively for email, or would there also be options maybe for like Facebook or Gmail, something like that? Today, we're pure email, but we're adding some social login options really soon. Got it. So I pass in my email, and then there's like a account creation flow. And in the course of that, you're grabbing my email, but actually it's a passkey based wallet. So is it like a, maybe you could explain a little bit about how the passkey relates to the MPC and the AA experience. Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. So um, with the, um, with the MPC itself, uh, so Capsule uses a, a two of two um, MPC scheme. Also, Probably most um, most folks here um, know, but for for those who might not, MPC stands for multi-party computation. 
Um, so MPC is basically a way of two parties or N parties securely collaborating um, to create a shared secret. And in this case, that would be something equivalent to the private key. And so you can do things like a distributed key generation ceremony to, to create that, um, that secret and then um, collaboratively sign. And you can do all of this, um, which is a really wonderful property. You can do all of this without ever having to put the whole private key in one place. And so it's really nice um, from a security perspective uh, because you you don't need to trust any single party uh, to hold onto the private key and, and keep it safe in that capacity. Um, but yeah, so we when as we're creating this wallet, um, the email and the pass key uh, are both used um, to kind of uh, help the user participate in, in this process. And so the user participates in this process, Caps participates in this process. And then um, at the end of that, uh, the user has a wallet that can uh, sign ECDSA transactions. Got it. So uh, basically like the two of two, uh, part of it is the pass key that the user has created and part of it uh, stays with Capsule more or less? Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, in addition to that, one thing I'll mention is in some um, some criticisms of uh, of two of two MPC schemes can be that in in some cases they don't offer kind of recoverability or censorship resistance. So we've kind of built additional mechanisms um, to to provide both of those um, capabilities because that's something that was back to the the ability to to recover to exit systems like that's really important to us. Right, right. So um, maybe. You know, MPC is used differently in different applications for this signing uh, experience, but I guess here the passkey and the the signer that uh, Capsule hangs on to, uh, at least in, uh, unless we're in a recovery situation, are used to sign on an MPC uh, distributed key generation or distributed key signing event. And then that key that is signing, this like key that doesn't exist on any one computer in memory anywhere in particular, is uh, EOA, I suppose, on uh, that's a signer, uh, a validator on an AA contract? Yeah, oh, that's also, yeah, also a great question. So um, exactly right. Like we, I would, you can think about the end kind of signed transaction um, from a, an MPC signer as um, very similar to, um, to the one provided in an EOA signer context. Um, Capsule actually doesn't um, have any uh, sort of strong opinions about um, about specific kind of smart contract wallet or um, account abstraction structures. Um, this is actually one of the like really early decisions we made in building Capsule. Um, we were super excited and um, and had always been kind of big fans of um, what smart contract wallets and smart accounts uh, are doing for kind of on-chain programmability and making it uh, and bringing like the generally the like on-chain benefits to um, to the wallet space. Um, we felt that we could uniquely help by being an off-chain signer complement to that um, and focusing really specifically on this portability problem. Um, so Capsule works with a bunch of different um, smart account um, kind of providers or smart contract wallet implementations, um, but we were... Um, we, we've made the decision to, to be more or less neutral to that and focusing instead on the signing layer since there's a lot that um, we feel we can help with there. So as an app dev, I would be the one to choose which uh, AA implementation my users get. Exactly right, yeah. Got it. And then um, you mentioned earlier, but one of the kind of crazy things that this allows for or that Capsule's uh, approach allows for is that I can then connect this, use the same wallet across different apps that have Capsule embedded. Um, is that right? 
Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and so I went through like a lot of different um, kind of specifics on the above, but almost every decision we made um, was really um, kind of made because it was critical to making a cross-app experience um, that still um, kind of felt embedded in nature. Um, and the reason for that uh, kind of goes back to like actually the, the very first thing I said around um, kind of crypto uniquely being this open system. Um, and our belief is that in, in a world where um, crypto is uniquely useful and where an open rail is uniquely useful, you need to, the application developers um, should be able to take advantage of all of those benefits. And the infrastructure provider um, or infrastructure that they work with shouldn't limit that in any way. And so that's, I would say, the, the specific problem that we've really wanted to focus on is making sure that app developers have access to, um, to wallets that work across apps. So at a high level, if I create a wallet in an app that uses Capsule for its embedded wallet uh, SDK, and then I go into another app that also uses Capsule and I sign in with the same email, then I'll be able to use the passkey on device to sign transactions with this MPC uh, distributed key signing process, right? That's exactly right. And then there's a lot of um, work that we've done on top of that to make sure that happens securely. Um, so we'll definitely have, we'll have a bit more on that, that we're sharing, um, sharing soon, but, um, yeah, there's, there's been quite a, a, a bit of work to ensure that this happens securely. Right. Because I guess the risk would be that if someone convinces me to sign into another app with a, like a malicious app that has the capsule SDK integrated, then, uh, if I'm not careful, if there's no security provisions, I could potentially be giving them permission to, although I guess you'd have to face ID to get access to the passkey. So they could misrepresent what's what actions are happening inside the app and maybe exfiltrate ETH or something from my AA account if if there is no security. So, right, that, that's the danger. Yeah, there was a very interesting parallel in the non-custodial um, wallet world, uh, I think almost about a year ago, where um, there were, as as we've had more and more different um, like mobile wallets or, um, or kind of non-custodial wallets, um, one thing that, one behavior that we started to see more often is people using the same seed phrase across multiple different wallets. And um, that's, it, it makes sense why, why that happens from a convenience perspective, but it of course opens up um, users to, um, to risks of maybe one wallet uh, that gets compromised, uh, that compromises funds across a lot of different ecosystems. So um, in any time that, that we're kind of leveraging this composability, whether it's in an MPC context, an EOA context, like there's just a lot of care required in that. I, we've talked a little bit about MPC, but I know you have some pretty interesting perspectives on using MPC in advanced ways that maybe people listening aren't familiar with. Uh, we've talked uh, with other guests on the show about uh, putting kind of permissions into uh, the smart account, but there's interesting stuff you can also do at the MPC layer that can have all kinds of advantages. Uh, can you share anything about that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, the way that we kind of think about it is that um, permissions on on wallets, and this is something that I think smart accounts have done a lot of really amazing um, kind of work evangelizing the property of is like we have we have the ability to program things. Like we have this, like we have an EBM. Um, we have assets. Why can't we combine those two things and make our access to assets programmable or in some way even just automate certain things um, and do so in a um, 
in, in a way that leverages uh, crypto. So with us, um, we've thought a lot about permissions in more of the, um, the complement to that, which is more of a, the off-chain context. And so uh, thinking about permissions as um, something that in some cases um, they could make sense to have in a, in a smart contract wallet, or they can make sense to have on a, a particular signer. Um, but there even um, there are cases where you may want to enforce a permission before you even sign a transaction. Um, and so that can happen at the point where you're uh, aggregating a signature, which um, is, is where the MPC comes in in our case. And so um, we think about Permissions are something that can happen at every level. So there might be certain permissions where you want to wait until the transaction signed on chain and then you execute um, the logic in a, in a smart contract and determine if something's allowed or not. Um, or you could even um, do that before the point of signing. And so a lot of that, um, in, in our view, depends on kind of the context in which um, that, that logic's getting executed, what the types of permissions are, who needs to be able to see them or who shouldn't be able to see them, um, those types of properties. So essentially, as an app dev using Capsule, I could add some permissions, some limitations on what kinds of transactions the MPC is able to sign uh, so that they don't even propagate to the bundlers and, and certainly not to the chain. Yeah, we basically think about this as a way to allow users um, to set more expressive automation on their wallets. Um, and so there is, um, it, it's exactly that. Like there, there could be certain cases where um, a, a transaction that um, maybe the user has already said they like want to maybe add a different level of authorization to, or they want to have a spending limit on. Um, some of those things, uh, if, if the user is the one setting it and the user is the one who's able to bypass that system, if they don't like it, um, then there are fewer um, disadvantages to doing that off-chain. And then you get some advantages like the, the costs being lower. So one could imagine I have a app with Capsule integrated and I'm storing a CryptoPunk or some valuable asset there. And it, it, what you're suggesting is that the end user is the one who might say really require like a third factor of authentication or something like that before you let me move the punk. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I think what we've, um, what, what we kind of can uniquely do with crypto is put people at the center and make people the arbiters of anything that happens with with their assets um, and kind of uniquely put people in the driver's seat there. And so the way that we we hope um, the space can move is towards one where exactly like people can um, can set the permissions and set the automations on what they want to do on their wallet. They can do that on their terms. Um, and uh, and yeah, that's something that um, that MPC uh kind of we're excited about what it uniquely enables in that context in terms of uh, the trust assumptions. I guess, do you think there's any circumstance in which an app dev would want to set some of these additional MPC permissions? Yeah, certainly. Um, so we've, um, I think there's actually a lot of, um, a lot of parallels here between um, how kind of things like OAuth and SSO work and how, um, and how like kind of different applications uh, think about the, the set of data that, um, that they access. So what we've um, thought about here is making sure that uh, this is, so maybe taking one step back, um, permissions, automations, multi-app, like these are really, really hard problems. And it's all of these things that you're mentioning that, that make it a really hard problem to solve where um, application developers um, definitely um, 
there's there's always a um, a balance between um, giving kind of you allowing users to give permissions to things versus um, like making sure that users are are in control. And so we've thought a lot about how do you make sure that um, we give application developers the ability to request permissions and the ability to kind of do um, take certain expressive actions on chain, um, but making sure to do that um, in a way that is is transparent to end users as well. Got it. And, and I guess the, these uh, sort of programmable MPC limitations can also be useful for maybe ensuring some of that security you were alluding to between cross-app uh, applications of the same wallet or same signer. Yeah, that's right. Um, like and what MPC uniquely allows here is that you can, um, you can provide a signature, um, but you can have many parties uh, collaborate on, um, on that signature and on the validity of it. And you can effectively program um, whether a, a, a transaction um, should be signed or not. Uh, and that's something that's really, uh, that's really valuable in this context. When it comes to multiple different parties, each that have different kind of requirements and um, preferences in, um, in terms of some, some on-chain execution um, and being able to coordinate those parties. Yeah, on the uh, Jose Aguinaga episode of the show, we talked a little bit about MPC being used for things like even multisig. Um, but it sounds like what you're saying is that in Capsule's implementation, it's more than just Capsule withholding its signature, but actually the MPC will have some settings in it that would limit, even if even Capsule would not be able to sign transactions that are against the will of the user. Precisely. I think what these systems are all about is they're primitives that we then build layers and layers on top of. And so um, at its most foundational level, it's about um, which parties have which privileges in a system and how do you you make sure that those are really transparent um, and, and open as both like in their kind of initial default state, but then also as they um, kind of change and are, are updated over time. You mentioned uh, this idea of things like dollar cost averaging, which actually on the uh, Conrad Cop uh, Rhinestone episode, we talked a little bit about things like dollar cost averaging as, as modules in uh, ERC-6900 modular account abstraction contracts, which we'll, we'll get to in a minute. But uh, when you think of dollar cost averaging as like a, a feature a user might want to enable, at what layer of the stack in a capsule wallet would it make sense to do dollar cost averaging? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, certainly there's uh, there's different levels of this, and I think a lot of it depends on the specifics of which parties are um, are, are kind of involved. So there could be um, there could be a world where that is um, is an on chain uh, an on chain more like session key uh, type of privilege, um, and that might might make more sense in a world where it might not change very often or where um, there's less sensitivity to any kind of fees associated with it or um, things like that. And then there might be a world where a given application wants to enable a dollar cost averaging feature um, and have a more uh, kind of automated signing type of, uh, of functionality. And then that's something where, uh, where something like like Capsule or like our, um, our layer in terms of MPC um, could make more sense to, to encode that in. Ah, okay, so you could have something like a like a, a payment or some kind of action where the user might not have to take an action at transaction time, but instead could be setting some kind of uh, you know cron job or some capsule service that could initiate the transactions on their behalf. Yeah, where we think about this is um, there are so many things that um, that crypto and um, that the crypto has really done that have um, that have kind of pushed forward. A lot of the the boundaries of of what we can do and and what guarantees we should all expect, but one thing that we've kind of taken a step back on a little bit is that we're still kind of setting reminders to like 
check uh, to like go and go to one application and like claim something every day or like to go um, every week and and check some number and then take some action based off of it. Um, and in some ways, we're still kind of sitting in front of our, our laptops, clicking buttons um, on based on like calendar events. And so I think what um, what we what I think that um, both I mean, account abstraction is doing a lot here, but then also a lot of the, the work that we're doing with um, with Capsule can also help here. We, we glossed over it a little bit, but also one of the advantages of the system is that you can do this kind of uh, programmable permissioning or, or automation features in a gasless way where you don't need to do validation of these things on chain because you have the options of things like MPC. That's pretty cool, too. Absolutely. I, I think something that um, and this um, the, the amount that we're talking about, it changes usually depending on um, on how expensive transactions are. Um, but. Ideally, if we're taking an action really frequently and we don't, maybe everyone has and every different user has a different cost premium that they place on having something on chain. And so if something has very similar guarantees um, from a user's perspective, um, being kind of enforced in this off-chain way that they can modify whenever they want and they can update, um, there's a lot of advantage to doing that um, in an off-chain way. Also from the application perspective, um, there is a, a lot of advantage to being able to set up some of these things with users um, without the the cost of having a an on chain um, like contract footprint. And so those are those are two of the kind of like reducing barrier to entry wise um, things that we think about. Yeah, I guess you also have a couple other advantages. You re- avoid the R one verification problem by having it be a K one curve EOA in the DKG that's signing, and you also. Um, have uh, don't have the problems around cross-chain state for adding and removing signers and permissions when everything li- is living in the smart account. If you, I don't know, change the pass key, rotate the key or something, uh, you need to now go update all of your other contracts in, on all the other chains. So maybe this also fa- facilitates uh, multi-chain smart accounts. Exactly correct. Yeah, you, um, you, you said it better than I could. Um, I, I think the beautiful thing about um, so much of our our, our on-chain systems is that they are based off of a cryptographic primitive. And that is, of course, um, public cryptography, like having ECDSA signatures. And the way this, this is um, going back to our initial decision um, with Capsule to, to be focused more on the, the like before things get to the chain and, um, and the more off-chain side of it is that we think a lot about ourselves as almost a, um, a, a, t- a way to get an ECDSA signature. And that can work across chains. It can work um, across different contracts on different chains. And overall, like the, the on-chain world it has just exploded in complexity. There's now more places than ever to transact, um, more, more networks, more protocols. Um, and, if, and if we can do something to simplify what that explosion of opportunity looks like to end users... Um, that's, that's kind of the approach that we're hoping to take. And even from the developer experience, like reducing the friction to switch networks, things like that are all, all things that we, um, we think are really important. Yeah. I didn't really ask, but I assume, uh, capsules EVM focused, or do you imagine supporting other chains as well? Yeah, we've been, um, mostly, uh, EVM focused for now. Um, there's a couple of other chains that we've, um, we've explored adding to, um, and more broadly, our SDKs work across ECDSA uh, chains. So um, we have some um, some Cosmos compatibility as well, uh, and um, yeah, are are definitely uh, kind of depending on interest, uh, just adding support for more and more ECDSA chains as we can. Um, similarly, just trying to make um, also smooth 
smooth the ease of access across uh, different ecosystems is, is something that we think is really important. I know you have some upcoming announcements, so don't want to spoil those, but we did cover a little bit this idea of recovery and, and even key rotation. Uh, maybe you can give the broad strokes of just what Capsule supports. Is it possible to change the pass key or add another device that's uh, maybe from a different OS ecosystem and doesn't share a, like a cloud keychain uh, solution? How, how do those things come together in the Capsule package? Oh, great question. So um, across... Uh, so. So we, we use passkeys um, to authenticate individual uh, devices. Um, users can always add more devices if they want to. Um, so that's something that uh, we're, we're definitely, uh, we support today, um, we'll, we'll support at, at launch. Um, as, as you mentioned, um, we have a, an announcement coming up uh, in, in November around this. Um, but yeah, we're, we're definitely, uh, definitely multi-device compatible out of the box. Um, and then... Uh, key rotation and recovery is, I think, a really cool one where uh, there's actually uh, there's been a lot of discussion um, in, in the space around kind of how MPC and account abstraction and like different structures enable different types of recovery, key rotation refreshes. Um, and so maybe just like to give give that overview. Um, yeah. So um, smart contract wallets and account abstraction, um, multi-sigs as well. Um, all fall in this category of having multiple different signers that um, sign uh, on, on a smart contract. And so in those um, schemes, let's say that uh, you have one um, one signer that, let's say it's a social recovery context. And um, my uh, my roommate um, was one of the, the signers. Uh, let's say we're not roommates anymore and I don't want her to be a signer. I can take her off and, and put someone else on. Um, and that's kind of what um, people tend to talk about a lot with, with key rotation. Um, MPC is a little bit different where um, MPC instead uh, relies on uh, relies on quorums. So let's say um, when you first kind of instantiate an MPC scheme, um, you maybe have a two of three uh, setup uh, in, in our case, two of two, but um, you, that, you can always generate a new kind of two of two set or a new two of three set, um, assuming that the MPC scheme supports key refreshes, which not all do, but many do. Um, but the, the difference here is that you can do a refresh, which is basically the same as saying, um, we're going to have a, a new set of um, of keys that uh, that can sign on this protocol, um, but you can't say like this one specific signer um, can no longer pr produce a valid signature with some other set. And so you you basically are generating parallel sets. And there was there's definitely been some criticism of this um, in in terms of the, the account recovery context. I think there's a lot of gray area in here, and so. While, while MPC does require, um, does have this property, there is also um, a, a kind of critical point that I think people miss in the nuance here where depending on the MPC scheme, so in our case, um, it's, a, it's a two of two system, um, the user actually still has uh, control of, of both shares. And so in, a, in an uh, environment where there is some amount of trust in, in that quorum, so let's say it's not my my friend who might no longer be my friend or something like that, but it's my device, um, you can pretty pretty strongly get the same guarantees there. Um, so that's kind of how we, we think about the differences between the two. So in that uh, idea of a key refresh, that would be like adding, like ultimately you'd be creating a new MPC set uh, with maybe the same, like the, uh, I understand that both keys are ultimately in the custody of the user, but the, the key that 
it belongs to capsule in typical signing scenario uh, and a new pass key. And then you would add the corresponding EOA to the smart account uh, and then remove the one that was from the previous uh, key signing set. Oh, yeah. Great, great question. That, that's actually something I didn't um, I didn't go over. So in the um, in the kind of account abstraction example I shared where you're removing one signer and adding a new one, um, that new signer has a different address than the old signer. Um, and so let's say this was um, just a pure like EOA type of context. Um, if I ever wanted like a new key, I need a new address. And this is a problem that um, we're all familiar with in the space. Um, in a key refresh context with MPC, you can keep your same address. And so um, this is a way to generate a new set of um, a new set of of key shards, but to have them mapped to the same underlying address. And so that's really the the main difference here. Mm, very interesting. But you mentioned this uh, like some amount of controversy over uh, this approach. Does it mean that the old set is still able to sign, or is it is possible to really remove that original passkey, for example? The old set in a, in a pure MPC context, that old set is able to sign. And so what you end up with is right the classic problem of, uh, of like provable deletion. And so in a world where you, let's say this is my, my old iPhone had one passkey and my new iPhone has the other passkey. I have my old iPhone or I can, um, kind of deprecate that access. So I can report it stolen. And so there's like different kind of measures that you can take when the, the parties involved are trusted. Um, but there is of course this, um, this element of, of trusting old quorums. Got it. I mean, this is kind of one of the topics that's interesting because you're trying to ride this line of um, sort of the trade-offs between security and convenience. I'm curious if you have kind of a broad thought on what the right solution is or or maybe even for Capsule, is the target user, end user of the product like a kind of regular mainstream user? And how does that influence your decision making in this security convenience trade-off space? Yeah, that's a, a great question. Um, so I would say like our our view is that um, there's there's always going to be um, kind of there's always going to be different kind of trade offs in in all these systems. And I think so much of the explosion of the wallet space right now is there actually being more flexibility to to actually explore those different trade offs. Um, and so what we think about um, on on this side of it is that. Because we we think about capsule wallets uniquely as being cross app and um, wallets that will kind of last with you as a user throughout your journey, um, we believe the security standard needs to kind of match the same as um, what you would be used to with really like any kind of product that you use that um, that you would want to kind of stay safe. Um, and so we think about that a lot. But then also on the the convenience front. Um, our whole goal is to bring more people into the space. And so there needs to be um, kind of different um, different kind of dimensions to explore here. And so what we've kind of settled on is thinking about the role of crypto as always being exitable. So as a user, you can always take, um, take your keys, take your assets and choose a different um, on-chain system if you want. Um, you should also always have the right to know exactly what trust assumptions you're making. Um, and so we kind of take the role of introducing some default trust assumptions um, because their trust assumptions exist everywhere in crypto already, um, whether they're kind of implicit or we're just used to them. Um, but we make them really explicit and then we also allow people to exit. And so that's kind of the 
the place that we say, let's make these things explicit and then do that to bring convenience to a place where the barrier to access is as low as possible. You mentioned that, I mean, I totally agree that this uh, ability to exit is crucial and uh, kind of a crucial component of genuine self-custody. Um, MPC solutions, one thing that can be a problem is uh, that you require access to whatever, wherever the MPC computation is taking place. You need access to like maybe a majority of the nodes on a network or, or depending on the setup. Um, but you alluded to the idea that the shares of the MPC computation ultimately are custodied by the end user. So I'm curious, does this mean that even if Capsule were to disappear completely, users would still have access to their, their wallets ultimately? Yeah, this is something that's really, um, that, that's really, really important to us is um, preserving that quality that um, if a user either wants to exit a system or has to exit a system um, for whatever that reason may be, um, that they have the ability to do so. And so that's something that we've uh, kind of structured into um, into the capsule scheme where from day one, um, people have that ability. And then um, there's actually some more stuff we're doing here that's uh, like a little bit uh, kind of, you know, coming soon TM um, that uh, we can't share much about just yet. But um, yeah, this is kind of an area where we're doing a lot of work and even um, kind of in, in today's version, um, capsule users can um, have access uh, to all of the, the material that they need to sign transactions on their own. Great. Something to look forward to. Is that something we'll find out more about in November, maybe? Definitely this. Um, definitely the the structure of, of where things are, um, of, of the, the current scheme. And then um, some of the future stuff where um, it'll probably be a little bit after that, but um, we're, we're pretty excited about it. Great. Sounds, sounds interesting. Something to look forward to. Um, we touched on it a second ago, but, uh, I was curious if you had any opinions on ERC 6900 modules. Uh, does that, is that interesting to you? Do you think that's something that developers will want to take advantage of if they're using capsule? Yeah. Um, I'll, uh, I, I definitely have, um, I, I'm by no means, uh, probably as much of an expert as, as other folks that, um, you might've had on the a show or have been talking to around, um, this stuff, but, I think what's really cool about um, having more of these uh, like programmable modules on chain, if I if I'm understanding um, what ERC sixteen hundred does well enough, um, I think what's really nice about that is that you can start to leverage the composability between these modules really well. Um, and we think about this even in the the off chain context of how do you make sure that uh, like the different kind of ways that people are are kind of maybe setting automations or are, um, are, are thinking about what um, can happen to their wallet or what they want to allow, uh, making that be as easy to kind of build on as possible. And so uh, I think it's, a, it's really exciting. And uh, as mentioned, like us having compatibility with anything that can be done on chain um, is, is always important. And it's for reasons like this, where uh, it, we can kind of continue to leverage the, the kind of best and, and newest and greatest. Great. Um, you touched on it before, but I wanted to ask again, The let's say I sign in on an iPhone and then I sign in using the same email address to maybe the same, maybe a different app using Capsule on an Android device. Would the system add a separate pass key, like it would now be a two of three situation? Or how would you think about that? Yeah. Um, so in this context, what we um, basically allow are for um, people to add pass keys uh, to their um, to their wallet 
Um, and we do that as a as an extension to the existing cryptographic setup. So um, there's a couple of um, a couple of things that we're we're doing here, but really what we'd allow for is for either of these pass keys um, to allow the user to to initiate a transaction on the same wallet. Hmm, very interesting. So zooming out a little bit, I'm curious um, how you think capsule fits in and, and what kind of the lay of the land is there's I mean there's a lot of options out there there's obviously the software wallets uh, the metamask rainbows of the world there's embedded solutions uh, privy and others uh, there's more passkey centric uh, solutions that are are slowly and then quickly emerging uh, I'm curious like how do you see the whole landscape and maybe one way to think about that is like in a year or two from now how do you think people are going to be using crypto apps? Is it, is it mostly going to be embedded wallets or, or how, how do you foresee this playing out? As you mentioned, like we, I kind of think about there being a couple of different categories. Um, so there's, let's say the more kind of like protocol based MPC schemes um, that are uh, like, they're, they're usually like really um, decentralization focused, um, more focused on allowing a ton of different flexibility. Um, then on the kind of other side of the spectrum, there's more like social login um, focused, uh, like more app specific wallets. And say those tend to be like hyper opinionated about, um, about a given setup. And, um, but as a result, kind of offer like a very kind of standard uh, user experience. And I would say like we, um, kind of put our, we, we view ourselves as somewhere in the middle. And the reason that we we are is we think a lot about our end goal as making it possible to transact from anywhere. Um, and I think that is actually a big part of um, like how I would say our vision for the future of the space, um, kind of like what, what that vision is, which is that we think a lot about crypto transactions as something that are, are, are very context dependent. So I might, um, I might see something on a, on a website and take some action and that might result in an, in an on-chain action. And then I might um, open up maybe a, a mobile app and then um, similarly like have some other action that I want to take. And crypto in our view shouldn't be this separate kind of weird thing that you have to go to a separate app or go to a separate product to use um, but rather something that should offer you the magic of being able to access the same stuff everywhere um, and that's something that um, is really the goal that we're singularly focused on um, on making possible and so it's led to a lot of the like maybe more um, specific decisions that we've made but that's really how we think about how we think think about things going forward. And I, I think what's nice about this is that there are a lot of options. And so I think what um, what the beauty of crypto is, is that it's not going to be one size fits all, but we think about ourselves as um, being the way for people to access their on-chain state anywhere and doing that without having to jump through hoops. And so um, that's, I would say, like sort of the user and the action kind of set that we're really excited about um, making possible. Mm, got it. Um we talked a lot about the wallet aspect of this, but does Capsule plan to do anything beyond the wallet creation and signing experience? Yeah, yeah, that's a it's a great question. I would say right now we there's there's so much to do in this particular um, side of the the space where we can just make signing easier and signing um, kind of 
less of a, a weird thing that people have to sit in front of their laptop to do. Um, and so until we've kind of done that, I think that's going to be our um, our core area of focus. Um, and then, of course, just making that easy for people to, to use, adopt, things like that. Um, I would say there's like more that we're we're, we're always going to be excited about solving these problems of making kind of end access easier for um, for users and making it easier for developers to give their users the experience they want. And so um, if if there's stuff that we um, we can do to keep helping there that um, that kind of fits within what we're building, um, never say never, but we're definitely uh, focused on this area. Do you think uh, apps that use Capsule will also be uh, like Wallet Connect enabled or would they strictly be tied to an embedded wallet experience? I would say we're starting to see a trend of um, different apps making different decisions here um, where I think until uh, like a few months ago, it might have been unheard of to only have an embedded wallet within an application, I think. What um, we don't have uh, any prescriptions there. Uh, like our view is that there are certain apps that are primarily focused on um, crypto natives with existing wallets um, and accessing those wallets via Wallet Connect or similar standard. Um, and then there's also apps that want to really focus on having like an abstract the crypto away fully um, type of experience where uh, no matter whether someone has a wallet or not, they, they'd want to kind of focus on an embedded first experience. And so we're pretty flexible to developers there. Like our, our view tends to be that um, that builders know their users best. And so we just try to offer a range of options. Got it. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I mean, it's obviously very different UX if you are signing in a separate application uh, or an extension than if you're, you're using an embedded wallet. But I agree, it seems like, uh, for at least for mainstream adoption, it seems like having to go to a separate context in order to sign will never really be truly competitive with a fully embedded experience. Yeah, we think about it as there's like certain contexts where um, we're having a standalone experience is is really valuable. So we specifically say that we're we're not when we think about the the category of um, of folks that are using a, a ledger to do cold storage um, or to do some kind of offline storage. That's much less of the the context that um, that we're trying to um really, really change. Um, cause there's, uh, it, in terms of like all of the, um, the things we talked about with, with us trying to make easier, uh, we're less, uh, we're, we're less kind of focused on, on that side of things, but where we, we think we can help is these more, um, yeah, more embedded contexts, making it easier to take actions directly. Um, and then also to kind of bring your state around, um, around the internet with you. Do you envision having like a general purpose interface outside of the context of the embedded uh, wallets? Because I know this is kind of a problem. I mean, people with like Frentech, for example, have had to export their keys altogether in order to be able to import them into another application in cases where they, for example, deposited funds, funded their uh, base wallet, but on the wrong chain. Uh, in order to get that that ETH out, they've had to, you know, plug the private keys into, into Rainbow or MetaMask or something like that. Do you imagine that you'll have some general purpose interface for Capsule or is that not really in the cards right now? Yeah, it's it's a great question. Um, and I think that as someone who who built a wallet um, before working on Capsule is building a wallet is really, really hard. Um, and our hope is more that we can offer signing um, wherever people need help signing. And so uh, our our hope would be more to um, to partner 
with other interfaces. And there are definitely like really great interfaces that let you um, that let you kind of do things like transfers or swaps between chains or or all of these specific actions. And the hope would be that because of the the interoperability and the portability that that we offer, um, that you wouldn't have to then go in and export or exit a system in order to just access um, access in enough kind of state to do a swap. Um, is more that you can go to go to another interface, do that, and then come right back to um, to the action that you wanted to take in the first place. Right, because I guess given that you have the cross-domain support for these accounts, you could just use any number of a variety of options of third-party options for like a general purpose wallet experience that would have access to some or all of the shared liquidity, shared assets that the embedded wallets have access to, the very same wallet or account, I should say. Mm hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And so the idea is like, shouldn't need to exit um, to take a single action. Um, just go to the, the interface that's really good at taking that action. And then you can come right back. Makes sense to me. Uh, we reached the end of my list of questions. Do you think there's any topics that come to mind that we didn't cover that would be worth uh, worth discussing before we call it? I feel like we we covered a lot here. Um, yeah. So I, I think the only um, only things for us are um, like really thank you. Uh, it was so much fun to get the chance to talk about Capsule, what we're building, kind of some of the the decisions we've made along the way. Um, and yeah, we're we're super keen to also be sharing more with folks uh, about um, kind of the the beta opening up in the next few weeks. Yeah, so people can check it out at usecapsule.com. There's docs there as well. I don't know. Did you have the uh, the name of the demo link? Yeah, it's just demo.beta.usecapsule.com. Great. So people can check that out and get a feel for, for how Capsule works. Nitya, thank you so much. This was a really great conversation. I'm happy to learn so much about Capsule, and I'm excited to hear what you announce next month. Thank you so much. Um, really appreciate um, getting to have this chat, and um, and thank you so much. I've been a big fan of this podcast, so it feels like a nice full circle moment. <laughs> awesome. Thanks. All right. Thank you, everybody, for coming to listen, and see you next week. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Web3 Galaxy Brain. To keep up with everything Web3, follow me on Twitter at Nicholas with four leading ends. You can find links to the topics discussed on today's episode in the show notes. Podcast feed links are available at web3galaxybrain.com. Web3 Galaxy Brain airs live most Friday afternoons at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2200 UTC on Twitter Spaces. I look forward to seeing you there.